Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's the Round Ball Rock Podcast, starring Dave Schilling, Dan Issel, Bobby Jones, Joey Devine, Matt Calvin, Larry Brown, Sean Keen. Daddy Taylor, Paul Silas, R.I.P. Special guests, Queen Ozymandias, James Kirkland, Patreons, Kevin Farrigan, thank you Kevin, Morrisonic Podcast, thank you Podcast. Sam Sofagul, thank you, Sam. Musical guest, the Apples in Stereo. And now, the temporary host of Round Ball Rock, Joey Devine. Hi, it's me, Joey Devine, your temporary host of the Round Ball Rock podcast. And we are back with our season-ending episode That's right, our national nightmare is over. Everything we hate so much, the games of basketball have ended, and now it's time to finally learn how much John Morant is being suspended. Finally! (laughs) It's all anyone cares about. God forbid we have to watch uh, an amazing game five. Nope, we uh, gotta know what John ja Morant is doing. <laughs> we gotta know what how many empty cans of soda Zion's got. Uh, who's getting rizzed up? Yeah, we uh, gotta um, know who the Riz King is. Who's who? who's? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What else? What else do we have? Uh, 
I do want to say clutch sports looking at. Yeah. I do want to say uh this is technically an emergency podcast because um I just want to congratulate uh NBA Hall of Famer, one of the 75 greatest players of all time on uh finding out he can there's a website where he can get a girlfriend for a day. Paul Pierce, mm-hmm. congratulations. Formula One, so everywhere. this is my girlfriend for the day. They got a website that you can hire girlfriends for the day. Stop, man. And so I got a girlfriend. Stop. Sean, yes. is there a more perfect video than Paul Pierce not knowing what a live stream is and then admitting to hiring a hooker to Kevin Garnett while Kevin Garnett is like, hey, watch the game, man. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, so this was a live stream of game two, three? three. It was either two or three. I think it was three because Denver had a big lead. Um, Paul Pierce showed up. I'm going to say maybe not as sober mm-hmm. as Kevin Garnett was yeah, for this. Uh-huh. Uh, did he realize he was supposed <laughs> to be describing basketball for most of this? No. It kind of seemed like this is what happens when Paul Pierce shows up at your house. And <laughs> often you don't know he's coming. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like this, this is the feeling of like, I know Kevin Garnett is doing a live stream making money for bet.us or what was from showtime well it was for showtime but it was it was some gambling (laughs) company's live stream i think it i think it's like house bet bet your house on these these odds you know um uh it felt like maybe kevin garnett had invited him to live stream a game like two weeks earlier Mm -hmm. and he just didn't even reply yeah and then he just showed up at this one with uh, Camille. The funniest <laughs> thing about this is there's a clip where Camille's like, hey, I'm not a girlfriend for a day. I met you like a year ago, <laughs> but probably still an escort, I think, or some. <laughs> and it's like maybe and, and, and I was and Kevin Garnett's almost like, hey, don't don't be mean to your prostitute yeah. <laughs> oh there's no reason to do that uh there's also a scene where he gets hit in the head with a lighter mm-hmm. after repeatedly asking if he can light a cigar as kevin garnett just keeps saying what are you talking about no you can't we're in a studio no you can't smoke here and then he begins smoking uh he's he drinks about eight gin and tonics mm-hmm. yep uh during this i mean this is probably what it was like at paul pierce's uh truth hookah lounge before and that then, place tragically yeah. closed. And then finally, he learns what a live stream is right at the end of the live stream. Right at the end, he yeah. starts looking at he starts looking at the live stream on his own phone. Uh-huh. And is and like, is wait, blown this is it? Away. We've been doing it? <laughs> two, two plus hours in. After Kevin Garnett has told him, we are live and pointed at the cameras. Uh-huh. A hundred times? <laughs> Maybe a hundred times. And has been repeatedly just trying to get him to say anything at all about basketball yeah. <laughs> and the game they're watching. Um, it's also such a weird experience to see because it's clearly supposed to be a second screen experience. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that first screen, yeah. it's very <laughs> weird. <laughs> Kevin Garnett is uh, a good friend. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, just wanted to talk about that real quick. But more importantly, the thing we have to talk about most, Sean, uh-huh. is, of course, your Denver Nuggets are 
NBA championships. Our Denver Nuggets, America's Denver Nuggets. To our friend David Borey. Congratulations to our friend Adam Mares. Everybody at DNVR. Yeah, congratulations to Andy Jewett. Uh-huh. Um, no congratulations to Will Barton, unfortunately. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, congratulations to Wilson Chandler, who was who seemed like legitimately touched, yeah, uh, by the victory. Helped helped create the culture there. The 12 years ago, I mean, I I was joking and said 12 years ago, he definitely got traded there 12 years ago. Yeah, I I was Mm -hmm. trying to exaggerate. (laughs) And that's actually how long it was ago. Um, Uh, That's great. Love it. Love. uh, Congratulations to Mike Malone on not being fired. Um, It really seemed like they were going to fire you at some point today. This year, I got to say. This isn't always going to work. It's not really my favorite thing. But congratulations to Mike Malone for taking a team that went 16-4 and in the finals, uh, that had game-tying shots in two of their four losses, uh, and also was within three points uh, with like 24 seconds left in another loss, to continually talking about how disrespected the Nuggets were yeah. <laughs> and how no one believed in them, even as I believe they were maybe double-digit yeah. favorites by the end of the finals. <laughs> but every press conference is like, you guys just want to talk about the Lakers. And it's like, it's game four of the finals. We don't... <laughs> you just think, because Rui Hachimura guarded... <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's Is that a shirt yet? It probably should be a shirt. Um, Sean... The first question I want to ask you, yeah, is what's funnier? The fact that DeAndre Jordan won a championship before Chris Paul or the fact that Jeff Green won a championship before Russell Westbrook? Oh my god. Uh <laughs> I think it's just barely Jeff Green. <laughs> because I think I'm going to say I think Chris Paul is like pretty legitimately happy for DeAndre Jordan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's actually true. I think you're giving Chris Paul too much credit, but okay, keep going. <laughs> but I think he I I think that Russell Westbrook is probably like more bummed about it. Whereas Chris Paul as much as people are allegedly making fun of his daughter for uh him not winning a championship, um I think he himself is kind of okay with it. I think it would have been different if he hadn't gotten to the finals, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, I think it might be funniest that uh, DeAndre Jordan um, somehow successfully chased a ring more effectively than Blake Griffin, yeah. who signed up with <laughs> the Celtics. And like the DeAndre Nets jo- before then. <laughs> like DeAndre Jordan on the Nuggets feels like logical and natural Mm -hmm. whereas like with blake it's like getting sad like Mm -hmm. it i mean it shouldn't be sad like why can't he play for the celtics and yet didn't it feel like it was sad yeah yeah it wasn't as sad on the nets but uh yeah the celtics it was like uh i I don't know why that's i don't know why that's more (laughs) offensive to me but it it really did seem more like it was just kind of a bummer um, all right, my but sec- I mean, he needed to be close to Emerson College, stand-up <laughs> university. Yeah, to do the con- to do to major in comedy. Um, mm-hmm. my <laughs> my next question for you, Sean, 
is now that Ish Smith has won a championship. Thank God. Is he no longer going to wander the earth playing for every professional basketball team in the league? Or is this going to make him complete his uh, goal for playing for all 30 teams faster? Well, I mean, I think what's wild is that he, I think, has only played for one more team than Jeff Green. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think he's played for 13 and Jeff Green's played for 12. I mean... There's definitely, even though it's not the main guys, there is there's very much a uh, 2011 Mavs aspect to this team mm-hmm. where all these guys are getting their first ring. Where you're like, you look back at that Mavs team and you're like, like you know, Jason Kidd gets his first ring and Dirk gets his first and ring. But then, you're, then you're like, oh, Karan Butler got a ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Peja's the weird one um it's just a lot of guys brendan haywood gets a ring like it's it's really a lot of guys basically um so ish smith has been on 13 teams yeah i think jeff green's been on 12 but i think jeff green also has maybe been on certain teams more than once well Uh, we we should have our friend rob on to talk about that great jeff green article he wrote for the ringer uh where you can literally six degrees of jeff green basically the history of the nba through people he's played with actually well Um, and you know uh (laughs) i I will say jeff green played in the finals and when controversially uh nicole Jokic got somewhat of a questionable uh Mm -hmm. fifth foul call followed by somewhat of a borderline fourth foul call in game four. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Malone not only did not challenge the call, I don't think he would have won the challenge by the way, <laughs> because uh, while Bam Adebayo did flop, he also uh, basically got fouled by Nikola Jokic's tree trunk legs. Uh, anyway, uh, it looked terrible because Bam like launched himself backwards. Anyway, um, Jeff Green stayed in the game for like five minutes and uh held things like they didn't really he didn't catch up and then jeff green hit a three i would also say saying jeff green played for 12 teams is actually kind of fudging it a little bit because 12 counts the sonics and the thunder as different teams it's actually 11 yeah if you don't count i mean i guess the sonics count but it's still sort of like because they're the same franchise. It's a little less impressive than it. No, no, he's only, he's only been on eleven teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Ish Smith play for all thirty. That's uh, uh, what we we'd like. He um, could do it. The yeah. key to the Washington Wizards trade: <laughs> exchanging Will Barton for uh, Ish Smith. <laughs> Executive of the year goes to. Calvin Booth. Congratulations, <laughs> Calvin Booth. Um, my next question, Sean, yeah. is is Tim Connolly really upset with the decision he made this summer to go to oh the God. Minnesota Timberwolves and then trade uh a billion first round picks for Rudy Gobert uh and not just stay in Denver for one more year and win a championship? Win a championship. I mean yeah, I don't think he feels great about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> say that right now. I mean, he got a lot of money, but uh, boy, oh boy, uh, he has to take phone calls from A Rod now. Oh my God, A Rod's his well, and Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both those guys could call, and Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
they can call him whenever they want. Although, and then like he can also get called by Anthony Edwards, but I feel like that's, that's fun, both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, wow, no, like I, I feel like he's probably like low maintenance but high wackiness, you know, yeah, but that's because good. he's probably not calling with a problem, but he also might be just telling you a really audacious Long, lie. Crazy lie, yeah. <laughs> that is fun but probably he might be like a little tired sometimes and um so Anthony Edwards is like you know I could dunk on a 13 foot rim and he's like okay here's a question you know I once raced a shark um (laughs) so this season is over Uh uh-huh was this our first normal season since the pandemic or are we still in weird zone because it feels Um, like we're in a weird zone still I think this was uh, a much funnier season than people have given credit for. That, like, some of the things that uh, were seemingly scandalous were actually hilarious. Mm-hmm. It was a really weird season for sure. Yes. So you have an eight seed. I mean, you you had this is the first year where in the second round you had seeds one through eight. Yeah, that's really weird. Mm-hmm. A seven and an eight were in the conference finals, and neither one was like necessarily that much of a fluke, right? Um, and then what was really weird was that um people were so worried about the Nuggets when I don't know they just sort of didn't have anything to play for. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I kind of think Nikola Jokic may have been sandbagging a little bit just because he was so sick of the MVP talk. I think I don't he's really sick of everything. He... he doesn't. He didn't want to go to the parade. He said. Yeah, can we talk about some of the stuff from Nikola Jokic <laughs> yeah, last sure. night? I was laughing so hard. So uh-huh. first, they interview him after the game, and... Uh, they they're like what does it mean to you <laughs> to win the title and he says like it gives a pretty thoughtful response about how you know basketball never goes the way you think it was it's like a really low scoring game uh they get shot like 19 percent mm-hmm. from three uh and then he just says i'm glad we won the game yeah like, <laughs> uh there's a shot of him uh, shaking up a bottle of champagne mm-hmm. and you can't it looks like the it. most obligatory yeah. thing well he's doing it so slowly <laughs> yeah. he's like sloshing champagne and then he gives up immediately gives up immediately he's yeah. wearing these crazy goggles there's a picture of him looking completely stoic uh drinking a Michelob Ultra yeah, he looks like the meme of the guy standing alone in the corner of the party <laughs> uh well and then uh they interview him, and there are two moments that are very human when they say, hey, you know, like, are you excited about, you know, the championship parade? And he says, like, uh, looks off stage and he's like, oh, when, when he's parade? Yeah. And they tell him it's Thursday, and he just goes, oh, no. And he's just wiping yeah. his face. He's so <laughs> miserable that he has to stay in America until Thursday. Granted, it's Monday night. Well, it's... <laughs> It did come out why on yes. his NBA TV uh, mm-hmm. interview, which is his horse has a big race on Sunday. I mean, I get it. 
but he still can leave Thursday night. Well, he's <laughs> like, de- he's demanding that Josh he needs uh, to... Conky gives him the private plane so he can get there in time. I guess he wants uh, to spend some time with the horse before yeah. the race. The other <laughs> thing that is important to to I feel like this doesn't isn't always made clear because definitely Nikola Jokic is obsessed with horses. Uh, I really, I thought that he was going to be totally stoic and then see like a police horse guarding the arena and that would like make him cry. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't like the horse racing you think it is. Yes. Basically. Yeah. It's, it's harness racing, yeah. which is something that was, feels like something that was just for gambling in like Long Island mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. That's the origin story of uh, Bobby Axelrod from Billions. Mm-hmm. is he 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 learned how to analyze the trotters mm-hmm. and then he realized he could probably pick stocks after that i don't know kevin durant can explain that better <laughs> than i can um but yeah that's that's what he's into is this form of horse racing that's all but extinct in yeah. america except for like completely degenerate gamblers and that is uh what he cares much much more about than uh the nba finals uh, then the other moment was they someone asked him uh, if this was like the greatest two days, or I think he just said it was the greatest era for Serbian sports because Novak Djokovic uh, mm-hmm. broke the Grand, Grand Slam record the day before and won the French Open. Uh, he went to look at his phone to see if he had a, a text, text from, from Djokovic, Djokovic yeah. and realized how many texts he got. And he just said, oh, no, I need to turn my phone off. My phone off. He looked just horrified. Like, oh, no, everyone is going to congratulate me. No. Um, uh, Now, I will say, if you you kept up with the clips, uh, he started to loosen up and enjoy himself. I think maybe he got a couple ultras deep. Uh, He picked up Jamal Murray. Well, I actually have a read on that. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I think he just doesn't like being a public figure and oh, he's yeah, yeah, very yeah. happy to hang out with his teammates. Uh he's so happy for them, but he doesn't yeah. want to be he doesn't want anyone filming him. <laughs> well, and he's he is very polite. Like he's not he's not like yeah. ducking questions that he thanks the media, but he's yeah, he's private about that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so behind closed doors, he was uh at one point Contavious Caldwell Pope was uh doing his I think he maybe got a little sauced sure too sure uh contavious caldwell pope was giving was wrapping up his press conference and Jokic just emptied a beer on his head yeah and then said you're done <laughs> you're done say goodbye <laughs> and i don't know if he was like i want you to hang out in the locker room or if he was just like this is good joke um <laughs> Because Jokovic is also, before uh, he became like an anti-vax paragon, thought leader, whatever. Before he he started considering joining live tennis. Um. Uh, uh, There's a great, he he does this, he, he constantly, he has a recurring joke that he does for tennis reporters where he tries to, tries to explain to them that the stitching of his racket is really important. And mm-hmm. then when they look at the racket, he just bops him in the nose with his racket. Mm-hmm. And then every time just starts laughing deliriously and goes classic joke of tennis. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he, yeah, he also threw Jamal Murray, uh, 
into into the training pool. He didn't yeah. throw him in as much as he just jumped in with him and yeah. then made like a video coordinator do a cannonball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then by the end of the celebration, he was still not mastering like spraying champagne, mm-hmm. but he was getting good at dumping it on people. Yeah. Instead of just like sadly uh, mm-hmm. not hitting anyone. So great, great move for Jokic. Uh, he may or may not be at the parade. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how the horse is running. Let him ride a horse in the parade. Instead uh, of like there was a... there was also a great shot of uh, Aaron Gordon. Still Out like in the streets, in that the one? shirtless, but yeah, wearing was... his jersey. That one made me nervous, actually. Uh... No. <laughs> That's like... I don't know. It's Denver, man. It's like it reminded me of Kevin Durant kind of being a little drunk and doing that uh, in the Oakland Arena parking lot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still a crowd. But like, also, what do we really think Aaron Gordon's doing in the offseason? Well, I just more dangerous stuff than that. (laughs) This is Aaron Gordon, man. He's like, it's just another it's just a drier foam uh-huh. party to him. He just already broke his hand wrestling at one point. Like, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just think that, like, given the Aaron, the typical Aaron Gordon offseason, this is actually a relatively controlled environment. Uh, so my next question for you and my final question, I think, is normally yeah. on these sorts of things, the players take the trophies around with them to special things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, Jokic will take it to the racetrack in Serbia, probably. Um, Maybe my question I mean... is, do you think Michael Porter Jr. is going to take the trophy to visit Donald Trump in federal prison? Oh, wow. Um, I was going to say he might actually wager the Larry O'Brien trophy <laughs> in like a game against of, a 12 year old on NBA yeah, 2K. Would it- would it be 2K? It would probably just be it 2K. It was 2K. Uh, I know, but I'm, I'm like, time. I was just trying to think, like, what what do you think is the best video game to gamble with? I guess 2K is easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, 2K. Uh, trying to get, like, a teenager's graduation present versus a chance to, like, hold the Larry O'Brien trophy. But, yeah, no, he's going to be he's going to be at Mar-a-Lago yeah. showing off the trophy. Uh, and uh, by the time it's Ish Smith's turn to take it, it'll be jammed with uh, classified documents that were uh, that were hidden in uh, you know the the butler's quarters or whatever. Um. All right, Sean. That's our NBA Finals talk. Uh, we actually have two non-finals related guests we want to talk to this week. Um, mm-hmm. the first is. There's a bit of a, a controversy right now surrounding the 76ers trying to build a new arena. Speaking and, of Donald Trump fans. Yeah, speaking um, of Donald Trump fans. So uh, we had our friend Christina O'Donovan Zaveda on, Queen. you might know her as Queen Ozymandias, mm-hmm. uh, to talk about um, the protests she's leading against building the Sixers' new arena in Chinatown. Uh, let's talk to her right now. <laughs> We're here with Christine O'Donovan and Zaveda, or if you are a member of our Patreon slash Discord, you might know her, or Twitter, uh, you might know her as Queen Ozymandias, who is helping run the, um, the protest against the new Sixers arena. Uh, Christine, how you doing? I'm doing all right. My voice is still recovering from, uh, the big rally we had this weekend, so 
<laughs> I'm a little gravelly, but I'm happy <laughs> to be here. Uh, so first off, why don't you tell us and the listeners uh, what the rally this weekend against the Sixers new arena was about? Yeah, so <clears throat> just like some background um, about uh, or sometime last year, like late summer last year, um, the Sixers Development Corporation announced plans uh, for a new arena that would be built on like the literal doorstep of Chinatown, like one block away from um, the historic like Chinatown Friendship Arch. Um, and, uh, right now all of the arenas in all of the like sports arenas in Philly are in this one massive complex in South Philly. Um, so they, the Sixers share an arena with, uh, the Flyers and, um, but like all of the teams share this sort of complex. Um, yeah, we've got Citizens Bank, Lincoln Financial. Xfinity Live. I don't actually know what that is, but uh, <laughs> I assume it's uh, has infinite entertainment possibilities. Absolutely. Okay. But yeah, so it's like just this whole um, big complex with like a bunch of parking. There is a streetcar that goes straight there. Um, and the, the Sixers Arena, they share it with the Flyers. Um, and so they... Um, have had this plan for a while of um, like building their own stadium so that the Sixers Dev Corp would like own it outright. They wouldn't have to share it with um, another team and they would own the like space so that they would make the profit off of any like non-sports events that happen um, in the arena that like use the space. Um, and that's and ideal so for a city. You want as many different arenas that don't duplicate each mm-hmm. other with the money mm-hmm. uh yep. going to mm-hmm. a billionaire ideally someone who funnels millions and millions of dollars to the gop and donald trump specifically yep oh Definitely. yeah so you've heard of david edelman and that crew <laughs> yeah well actually josh harris we had a contest oh, also on round bell a couple of years ago to name the nba's worst billionaire and josh harris actually won mm-hmm. in Matt a bit Christmas. of an upset. named it yeah yeah um beautiful yeah cool guy. Cool uh, guy. yeah he and the whole like ownership group for Sixers Dev Corp are like a really unique and impressive kind of evil yeah um uh but yeah so they they announced the plans last year and they seem to have thought that like people were just sort of going to take it um like they didn't have any sort of like community plan um to like deal with the the fallout from it um and so as soon as we heard uh, that this was happening, um, we started putting together like community meetings, uh, working with folks within Chinatown um, to sort of build uh, like community resistance to this arena. So we've been doing this for, I mean, close to a year now, um, sort of building a uh, consensus within the Chinatown community. And when you do uh, that, your first arena. call is to Antifa headquarters, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 1,000%. That's you our... You have a grant from George Soros. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we have... And you, uh... you want to put a drag theater for preschoolers on mm-hmm. that spot Correct. instead. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Absolutely. Just, I've been reading about this protest on Newsmax, and uh, <laughs> I think I have a pretty good handle on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I mean, what we actually have is like pretty beautiful. Um, like it's this truly like intergenerational um, movement of folks, not just in Chinatown, but across the city and like 
and also from even in, in from the suburbs because like Chinatown uh, in Philly is is an incredibly important resource for uh, for Asian folks like across this whole region. Um, it's where a lot of people come to do their shopping. Um, and it also has a, like a school there that was built from like the ground up by like people in Chinatown. Um, and it's just like this incredible resource. And, and it's one of the only remaining Chinatowns like in the country. Um, and yeah. Um, I don't know. So we... There's a there's a one block area in San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know if you've been there, but uh, you can uh, you can definitely get some. Uh, yeah. uh, you can see a bunch of German tourists wearing I heart San Francisco T-shirts there yeah, on the reg. And actually, uh, across the street is uh, an Italian district. They basically split it down the middle. Your uh, your people, Christine, yeah. the Italians. <laughs> uh yeah like i mean this actually exact thing happened also for dc's chinatown um with the uh capitals arena and yeah. it is now one block in in dc so you're saying uh, ted leonsis totally uh mm-hmm. mr fugazi uh <laughs> gentrified a neighborhood i cannot believe it i cannot I believe it he's the punk billionaire <laughs> um <laughs> yeah uh so yeah, like the what we've been doing over the last like eight or nine months has been this sort of consensus building thing, um, making sure that we are like moving with the, the the folks who actually like live and work in Chinatown. Um, and then this past weekend, um, we just had a massive, massive rally um and march through the streets of Chinatown um and ending at City Hall, calling on um like city council and folks um in in city government to do what they can to stop uh the arena to like refuse to provide any funding um all of that classic stuff um and it was like legitimately one of the most beautiful things i've ever been a part of um like we had uh and you campaigned for hillary God damn it. Um I that is that is a true fact about my past. Yes. Uh this was slightly more beautiful than um organizing for Hillary Clinton. Than being with Wisconsin. her. Uh mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. Uh, noted. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, look. Noted, this is noted misogynist Queen What do you <laughs> say for is there how would you say abuela in man? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually just say auntie. Um, but yeah, like it was, I mean, it was thousands and thousands of people. Um, like our, our rough count is like about three and a half thousand people. There was a point at which, um, we had the entirety of Chinatown. It's like five blocks from the arch to Vine street. Um, and it was like entirely our protest. Um, and we had partners from like other organizations. That's more of like my job, um, uh, who like showed up for us really hard. Like we had, um, faith leaders and, um, organizations like Philly Thrive and Juntos and like these beautiful organizations, um, that have been fighting their own battles against development and gentrification. Um, and people turned out like even harder than I kind of expected, um, and we had like these like aunties who were 
doing um, like traditional like Chinese dancing uh, at the top of it. We also had, you guys know the band Las Cafeteros? Uh, mm-hmm. They um, they came, they, uh, they had a show in Philly that night and they came early um, so that they could play at like the start of the march, which was pretty beautiful. Um, and then the yeah, gauntlet's been thrown dead, milkmen. You've got to play the next one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, Dr. And... Dog, I'm calling you out. Uh, <laughs> Kurt Vile, no, uh, I think those are the other Philadelphia bands I can name. Oh, Hall and Oates, Daryl Hall, John Oates. You Odd gotta Rundgren, come out. Get yeah, out talk, there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just rooting for uh, Lucy Dacus because she is from here. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was real beautiful. Um, and I would, I would call out Chase yeah. Utley, but I believe he lives in Sausalito for <laughs> some reason. Chase Utley tipped me ten percent at the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company one time. All right, mm-hmm. um. loves it. <laughs> it seems like a lot for a baseball player, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I assume that okay, so this is the same Josh Harris who I'm I'm checking my notes here. Uh his subsidiary essentially bought a public hospital in Philadelphia yeah. and uh yeah. cut all the services. Uh basically it was it was Hahnemann Hospital in Philadelphia, which yeah. is not a hospital anymore, mm-hmm. if that's nope. correct. Nope, it's just a big empty building. Yep, because they apparently just wanted the real estate, but uh, inconveniently there was a hospital there. Uh, Correct. They also, during COVID, uh, tried to charge the city a million dollars a month to mm-hmm. put uh, patients in there during the pandemic. Uh, so yep. this is a civic-minded individual here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, really good guy. He's, yeah, he's really. <laughs> He is part of a, this sort of trio of dudes who are like really like cartoonishly evil. Um, uh, it's him, and then uh, David Edelman is like a massive landlord in Philly and who has. Oh, I love his whole landlords. Thing. That's why yeah, I like the he's... band Waves. Um, all right. Keep going. <laughs> um, I did sound for Waves once a long time ago, and they were super rude. Um, anyway, yeah. So Edelman, like he, his whole thing is he buys up. Um, land around the universities in Philly um, and has like developed them and, you know, gouged rents and and all that fun stuff. Um, He also uh, like gentrified the area around Howard University and all of the areas around um, University of Pennsylvania in West Philly, which is where I live. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also where Will Smith formerly lived. It's true. There is like five blocks from my apartment. There's a giant mural of Will Smith um just a fun fact uh and then there my favorite one is this guy david blitzer um who if you guys ever heard of the blackstone group Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, they he he was uh specifically like blackstone was specifically called out for causing the global uh housing crisis Mm -hmm. um like which is really uh yeah anytime you can name your business after uh to make it sound like someone who would be trying to murder Jason Bourne, you have to do it, right? <laughs> you just yeah. have to. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they are, there's it, an amazing. It, it, there's an amazing story about uh, David Blitzer's father-in-law, mm-hmm. uh, who apparently tried to extort 
um, $11 million from him to just leave him alone. But the guy's <laughs> big claim to fame is that he, uh, he once owned the North American rights to the Smurfs. Great. <laughs> Incredible. We're going yeah. up against Smurfs money. That's, uh, yeah, brutal. Um, but yeah, they're like, I mean, the whole point of this is that this is like, like a land grab. Like they want to um, buy up this land so that they can drive up the prices for the land surrounding it mm-hmm. and then buy that up and then just rip out all of Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Um, because Chinatown is like the only, in Center City, Philadelphia, like downtown Philly, like Chinatown is the only community that's left that is still majority um, middle and low income. Um, and so people have been trying to do this for a very long time. Like our Philadelphia's Chinatown has existed for 150 years. Um, and uh, there, it's basically, it goes on a clock of every 10 years or so, somebody tries to pull some shit like this. Um, starting in the 60s, the Vine Street Expressway, uh, which is a highway that just bisects um, Chinatown. Um, and it's a massive like six lane highway that causes an immense amount of pollution and also makes it really hard for people um, to just like get from one side of Chinatown to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Classic. And then Classic. The, the Phillies tried to build a stadium in the 90s. Uh, they tried to build a federal prison also in the 90s in I think 2008, there there was a casino. So like Mm -hmm. there's just been like this constant drumbeat by developers trying to um, take this like valuable land away from the community that is the ones who made it valuable. Um, Christine, I want you to know I respect you too much, but I almost started playing the Steve Ballmer developers, developers, developers (laughs) drop there. Um, But I I like you too much. And this is too serious of a topic. The thing is, this is what happens when there are no more cancer patients to evict for a different land deal. You have to go after, you know, middle to lower class homeowners who have their own communities. By the way, is there any irony in the Sixers destroying local hospitals and then hiring a coach named Nurse? (laughs) My follow-up question, how is any team affiliated with Daryl Morey allowed to do anything near Chinatown? Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. See, that's how you get, Christine, that's how you're going to get the other people on your side. It's you've got you've the left is going to be with you you can get ennis Cantor to start tweeting about this as long as he's confused into thinking that chinatown is actually part of china (laughs) to be like philadelphia 76ers and nike how are you how are you getting in bed with chinatown yeah and he's kind of dumb enough that he he'd fall (laughs) for it i think i mean i think that's like we one of our um uh, state representatives Tarek Khan uh, spoke on Saturday and his whole thing was like, why are you not focused on like building up the team and like trying to get out of the second round? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, why are you spending money on this bullshit <laughs> instead of like actually trying to make this team win something? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely the old arena opened in 96. Yeah. So it's 27 years old, which for like a building, uh, that's not really that old. Yeah. And it's no. the crazy thing is they don't. It's not even that they want the building; it's that they want 
the it's land the model, around it. Yeah, all the stuff, which uh, in San Francisco has hilariously burned the professional sports teams who went hard on that. Although that one's less egregious just because uh, it, they weren't like evicting people as much as they were just stealing like uh like warehouse space and lofts and things but uh yeah the the warriors and giants did not anticipate that no one would be going to offices anymore <laughs> and uh they're they're very clever land grab uh i mean i'm sure it'll pay off long term and there's some kind of like I'm sure they're making tons of money on the taxes but but it is kind of funny to see that the giants are like opening this big visa tower and visa's like we actually haven't done return to office yet is that going to be <laughs> mm-hmm. an issue we don't really need 33 floors or any floors anymore is that <laughs> so christine problem? what can our listeners in the philadelphia area do to help fight this uh to help fight these these particular billionaires or billionaires in general. <laughs> um, so if you are in Philly, um, if you go to apipa.vote slash Chinatown, um, there is a petition um, that we're continuing to collect signatures on um, uh, targeting city council and the future mayor um, to just get them to pull whatever levers they have. Um, and... Uh, we are also asking folks to um, put up, like we have these like no arena in the heart of our city, um, like signs. Um, so we're asking folks to put stuff like visibly up in their windows. Um, and if you wanna do that, just DM me on Twitter mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can, and I will uh, bring you a sign. Um, and can but, our yeah, listeners biggest... not in the Philadelphia area sign that petition? Um, I mean, you can, uh, it just Great. means you'll get emails from us, um, but like, <laughs> The the biggest thing is, um, and like the reason I'm excited to be on uh, this podcast is like I I think we have done um, a, a good job of like getting people aware of the situation, but less so in like the general sort of basketball world. Mm-hmm. Um, though we did just uh, clutch points did just do a story on us, mm-hmm. which is cool. How was the Photoshop? Um, uh it was they didn't do anything cute i'm like mm. kind of annoyed about it but it was a it was a genuinely good art like shockingly good article for, I'm, I'm actually um, a little bit afraid of what the art might have been to be honest so yeah. that's probably <laughs> um but yeah i think just like uh like sharing this and like talking about it and making it because like the problem that we're facing is that like um the city, they're not asking the city outright for funding. The city will have to spend a shit ton of money right, on this, no matter the what. Days. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going for public funding. Um, and so what we are trying to do is is trying to make it as clear as possible that doing this would be toxic for them um, and making it just a PR nightmare. I will mm-hmm. say that since Saturday, the Sixers have still yet to say anything. Um, like they have not had a response um to to the rally, which is pretty feels good yeah they they um, linked to like a pdf on their website wow that, but was, Darryl, that was the pr response so you're telling me daryl Morey has not tweeted about this yet i bet he hasn't I, seen it he's never on twitter um. <laughs> i think the one thing that i saw anybody say was uh edelman 
was like not one person will be displaced and then somebody asked about like specific people that like specific buildings that they were going to evict people from and he was like we are in conversations to talk about relocation <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just like oh you fucking piece of shit um but like yeah we're we're trying to win this and in, in the in uh like nationally in, in the world of of pr and like making it so that when people think about the sixers like um this is top of mind for them so like sharing this stuff truly there are some really beautiful pictures from this weekend like continuing to to share that stuff and and just like talking about it mm -hmm. um is really valuable um but if you're in philly dm me mm -hmm. and um i can also hook you into to some of the other stuff that we're doing um, and see if you can but... trick joel and bead <laughs> into thinking that Rihanna said she'll go on a date with him if mm -hmm. they move their arena. That I think that would work. Um, Joel has put pressure on Josh Harris before. Like when mm -hmm. he cut um uh when he uh wanted to cut people's wages during the pandemic, Joel oh, yeah, like embarrassed he... him into yeah. um into paying it. So, you know, um but yeah, we're we're not out here trying to hate on the Sixers, the basketball team, no. just like yeah. their ownership. Um, but maybe we should tell him that uh, we should tell Philly fans that Nikola Jokic really supports that stadium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There has been a good amount, actually, of like Philly sports, like dirtbags being like, I don't want to try to park in Center City. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, that, the, like, it, it, fan it, bus that I get on and like that's, you know, I have my traditions and whatever, which is like, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Solidarity. Well, uh, just tell them that it's hard to buy batteries there and they <laughs> yeah. won't attend. The, they won't want to go to the games. Um, that was like 50 years ago. And that well, was the Eagles. Come on. You know, yeah, um, I'm just saying, okay. it's Phil. <laughs> the A's have thrown batteries more recently. Oh, it's yeah. close. It's close. Yeah, they I definitely... think JD Drew got batteries thrown at him in 99. And uh, the A's took it to another level mm. because uh, they threw batteries at an ambulance carrying Johnny Damon off the field after he <laughs> suffered a concussion. They and he also... had been on their team the year before, yeah. two years before. <laughs> they also, the A's fans. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I remember when Ichiro first, it was his rookie year, when he first came there, he showed the he showed reporters after the game that he had 76 cents and had a battery that people had thrown at him. Oh <laughs> he collected the change that people were throwing at him. All right. Um, the link to this, uh, to Christine's um, petition is in the description of this episode thank you so much for coming on christine yeah. uh thank as so always much, we here at round ball rock are anti-owners we're anti-billionaires so we don't want them to do anything that they want to do so please <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if it even if it wasn't displacing people and an evil cash grab i would just fundamentally not like it if josh harris got and, what he uh, wanted yeah mr blitzer yeah. were involved yes. yeah Absolutely. So, Thank you guys so much. You know, also Josh Harris recently bought uh, the Washington Commanders, which is something that a right wing Reddit troll would do trying <laughs> to own the commies. There we go. <laughs> All right. All right, Sean. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you, Christine. Sign that petition, everyone. It's in the description of this link uh, in the link of this episode. And uh, stop gentrifying shit, dude. Um, all right. And uh, finally, 
Sean, there's a new 30 for 30 out about Bill Walton. It's four episodes long, and we mm-hmm. decided we needed to talk very briefly about it with uh, America's foremost Bill Walton expert, uh, the author of the Bill Walton series of mysteries, which you can buy on Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. Here we are talking to James Kirkland about the new Bill Walton 30 for 30. Look. There's a new 30 for 30 out about Bill Walton, and there's only one expert we know about Bill Walton. That's right. It's the author of the Bill Walton Mysteries himself, James Kirkland, calling in from Harlem, New York, which is something Bill Walton would appreciate. James, how you doing? Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic, <laughs> lads. I'm here in the spiritual center where basketball was born. Spiritually speaking, of course, Dr. Naismith, his soul resided in Harlem before he even built the peach baskets and put them on the wall. Let's go one time. I won't do 100% Walton impression, but guys, I am so excited to talk about this documentary. It's the greatest. It is the greatest documentary, I think, of all time. This 30 for 30, <laughs> the luckiest man alive. <laughs> I was I was reading about it and how um, there was so much stuff. They they originally wanted it to be a two parter. It's a four parter, and uh, they taught they told Walton that, and Walton was just like, "Why not six? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when he was uh, writing his autobiography, mm-hmm. uh, "Long Strange Trip," I believe it's called. He uh, he, he the first draft came in at over uh, a million words. It was like it was like it was longer than War and Peace, and it's, it's like editor is like Bill, we got to cut down. He's like, why? I'm just getting started. I can written so much more to say. <laughs> the, the job it's, of editing Walton is not one that I envy. It's amazing because I read uh, Back from the Dead, uh, which you know it talks about his uh, back surgery and everything too. And one of the reasons that it goes that long is that. Every three sentences is just like a dead lyric, uh, a Dylan lyric, uh, you know, like like any Moby Grape lyrics just in the middle of the sentence. Uh, and then you're like, oh, that's what you hear in your brain. That's what that's how Bill Walton thinks. Yes, it's shuffle. It's always shuffling. The shuffle knows the shuffle grows. It's giving it's giving you what it needs, what you need in the moment. Yeah, he literally is like going to like getting like a bowl of cereal. Then I'll be like, oh, the fields, the fields of barley, Neil Young, Neil Young. Oh, uh, one way home, kids, Canada, where am I? Joni Mitchell, I love you, you legend, please. Lionel Hollins, my good friend, I should call him. Can you imagine being friends with Walton and just getting these calls from time to time? And he'd be like, if you're Lionel Hollins, you got to be like, Bill, you know, you can't, you've got to. Can we just, just have like a once a week? We don't need an every day. We don't yeah. need an every day check-in. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I've already, I'm, I'm at Dick's Picks volume 38. And he's like, no, you've got to hear 42. <laughs> You're ready. You're almost ready. The outlet pass. Know what it is to know what basketball grows. Djokovic, we know you. Thank you, Serbia. So much passion, Arvita Sabonis. Let's go. <laughs> Did you guys is, think he, it was strange? I'd not to get straight into the documentary here. No, but did get you think straight it was in. strange 
that about midway through the first episode, they introduced his second wife and all his children, but never once have talked about his first wife, who he had the children with. Yeah, I don't think he talks about her very much. <laughs> something happened, something with that. And there is that moment in the second one where he's like, you know, Bill doesn't want to talk about something. He just won't talk about it. And credit to the filmmaker for getting him to talk about like the Sibian Liberation uh-huh. Army stuff. Mm-hmm. Because that's not, he is a pretty, he's pretty closed door. He literally wouldn't talk about it. And the documentary maker handed him a laptop and said, could you just look at what you wrote? <laughs> he's like, yeah, it looks like what I wrote. That sounds like me. It was like, obviously it sounds like you, Bill. You wrote it. You're editorial. What are you talking about? <laughs> he really, he really doesn't do that. I mean, that's why he just, he just, um, he doesn't even. I mean, m- the books that I wrote where he solves mysteries with Dave Pash during the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, mm-hmm. he. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know he knows that what they are. I've talked to his agent, and what I heard back from his agent was that, yeah, Bill doesn't read what he doesn't want to read. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, you know, it's about him, right? He's yeah. so, wouldn't you, if someone wrote a mystery novel where you solve mysteries, would you not be somewhat curious about the content of that novel? No, not Bill. Not interested. I want to reread the album art of The Grateful Dead's Greatest Hits again. That's what I want to do. And find out new things about that. That's just how he is. Uh, it's. I feel like... I knew there was going to be a lot of um, uh, UCLA hagiography in this, but it was even more than I was expecting, I got to say, so far. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe we could have used some more. Uh, maybe they could have walked us through John Wooden's pyramid more in depth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say it's the the insights about where, where they show those interviews of Wooden, and Wooden's kind of talking trash. Mm-hmm. And he's talking trash to Bill, and he's talking trash to everyone. I'm like, holy shit! This John Wooden was really that dude. He really yeah. wouldn't. <laughs> he really would not take gruff from anybody. Bill missed one shot in the national championship game, and he and every time he talked to Walton about it, he mentioned it for the next 38 years. <laughs> like this guy, this guy did not forgive and forget. <laughs> it's just kind it's of amazing. Pretty, it's weird because I. It's. I feel like I hadn't seen very much footage of John Wooden. Like I feel like I've right. read a lot about him, but like I, I don't know if it's just the nature of television or the footage. So that was very novel to me. And honestly, I haven't even seen that much footage of Walton playing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. No, and even Luke talks about that, where he was like, "Yeah, we didn't. We had no idea our dad was good at basketball. We knew he was big." Yeah, but, he was crazy, <laughs> but he like we had no clue he was actually good. And then somebody uh, turned up with the point guard, the one point guard who who if he would just would have lied about smoking weed, mm-hmm. uh, UCLA uh-huh. would have gone undefeated in four years. They never would have lost. Yeah, well, you're not allowed to lie. The lie. pyramid says no lying, so you're you're not allowed to lie. If he was trapped if a, by if the pyramid, if an old man tells you, ask you if you smoke weed every day, you say yes. That's what the pyramid says to do. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you think Bill Walton has smoked weed in an actual pyramid? 
Yes. Uh, yeah. Did you not see the footage of him in Egypt? With hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. I was inside the Sphinx with Bobby Weir, and we lit up a huge dube, and we saw things I never, I never thought I'd ever see again. Set Ra. The entire pantheon of the Egyptian gods came down and visited me, and Jerry was there with his briefcase, and we had so much. It all rolled into one. Everything. Nefertiri. Tutankhamen. All of my friends were there. <laughs> Maurice Lucas. Everything. Everything was happening. So, so I would recommend they they also produced uh, like a companion piece, like a behind the scenes to this, which is very simple. It's just Dave Pash on a on like a Zoom call, and the people he's talking to are Lenny Wilkins, Danny Ainge, and Mickey Hart, drummer for the Grateful Dead. <laughs> And there could I'm four gonna, people just, have less in common. Uh, <laughs> you're you're not gonna believe this, but uh Danny Ainge did not take Bill Walden up on uh taking him to a Grateful Dead concert. But apparently, and how can he respect him for that? At the end of the day, that's when he lost respect for Danny Ainge and the entire Celtics <laughs> organization. Why? Why would you not just this is very similar to the story that he he told on air one time I was watching some random Pac-12 game between like Washington State and Oregon and uh, and, and Walton's just going on a rant. Like he was like passionate, like, uh, so you really seem to not like me today, Bill. What's what's going on? He's like, he's like, well, I don't respect you. And Pash like, what do you mean you don't respect me? He's like, I offered you tickets to see fish on New Year's Eve. Madison Square Garden. You turned it down. How can I respect a man who would do that? Like, that was the deal breaker. For like, yeah, I couldn't understand. Well, Pash explains that they all have noticed that uh, Walton is apparently so competitive that in non-competitive situations, he tries to set up an adversary. And so often when he's announcing, it's like the referees, but sometimes it's yeah. just Dave. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He has to compete with Dave during the telecast, and Dave's like, "I'm. I don't always know how to deal with that. Like, we're, we're partners on the broadcast, but he also wants to beat me in the telecast. Yes, it is. Each word we say is a point, and I will have more words than you at the end of the game. I guarantee it. If the referees don't get in the way, the zebras are trying to hold us back. I won't let it happen." I won't let it. They're just like the cops who arrested me in UCLA. I won't. I'm standing up against the injustices in Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. No, these referees. No, I'm swimming. I'm swimming past it into the cosmos. Past. I win. You lose. Um, the the other no. thing that came out is, uh, I guess he just has unstoppable confidence in every area. And uh, when he was on the Celtics, he used to play computer chess all the time, and he would talk to his teammates about like what was happening between uh, Bobby Fischer and Boris Spassky and just would talk about chess all the time. And then uh, Ainge played him once and like beat him easily, even though he didn't really play chess. And he just liked to talk about chess. He wasn't actually good at it, but he, <laughs> he like knew a lot of names. <laughs> that's, that's one of his whole things. Just like, He's, he's just it's just complete phone book of names <laughs> of everyone he's ever heard of or mentioned before. Uh -huh. Boris Kasparov, 
Yeah, Bobby Fisher, all my good friends, Ronald, Ronald Reagan. No thank you. No thank you, El Salvador. We're turning back the time. No, the clock goes on. Yeah, he's yeah, not he's, I mean, uh, uh, he's not unlike Dennis Miller in that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, are you just saying these words? <laughs> Terry Porter, babe. Okay, <laughs> talking about uh, point guard Jerome Kersey. Okay, um, I gotta say, my favorite part of I've watched the first two episodes of the documentary is uh, when Kareem talks about how he came to visit him when he played the Lakers and he uh, wasn't wearing under any underwear, and Kareem is still disgusted by the memory to this day. <laughs> Viscerally, just absolutely. Like it is, I've never seen the look of just hatred on someone talking from someone talking about something pretty innocuous. Utter disgust. Absolute utter disgust. Yeah, he hated it. <laughs> really, two two people who are, are are so different: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton. If they weren't seven feet tall, they would and went to UCLA. Both played center. They would literally—I don't know if they would have ever met. I mean, there's not a the Venn diagram. Yeah, it's, it's like complete, but also completely different. <laughs> and and the fact that they're like good buds somehow still, yeah, it really makes me happy. I mean, I don't know who, like, like just the, uh, my favorite part of the of the uh, doc so far. I've only seen the first two as well, but just like his kids, and uh, his kids being like, oh no. No, no, he's like that all the time. Yeah, no, yeah. No. You yeah. think that he's, he's turning it off and he's turning it on? Oh, no, no, no. Well, and, like, and then they the show a clip him, like, of them at dinner, and he's during like the '98 finals or the '96 finals, and he's like, "Greg Ostertag is the greatest center of all time." <laughs> <laughs> well, that that has uh, my favorite Walton broadcast moment of all time, where um, they take out the great. Greg Ostertag, and they they bring in a disappointing high pick, Chris Morris, and Chris Morris goes to check in at the scorer's table, which is maybe three feet away from where Bill is sitting, announcing the game, and he just starts going, oh no, oh no, what are they doing? Chris Morris is a terrible player. <laughs> He's just shouting it into Chris Morris's ear, basically. And you see him, he kind of runs onto the court kind of sheepishly, like, I, 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 Greg's tired. Mm-hmm. I, he just, Jerry, Jerry Sloan, he's in foul trouble. Doing? I don't know. Jerry Sloan, you're ashamed of the name Jerry, the great Jerry. You, you should be ashamed, sir. What are you doing? Put an Antoine Carr, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Why? What are you doing? Byron Russell. Thank you. Thank you for my life. <laughs> so the other the other most insane thing that I learned from this extra uh, bit of business is that um, Mickey Hart once insisted that he needed to know how good Larry Bird was. And Mickey Hart, kind of like a few guys in the dead, is actually pretty devoted to fitness, although he does also smoke weed all day every day mm-hmm. but Mickey Hart also like goes to the gym and plays basketball all the time so he um 
he was like talking trash and Bill Walton set up a one-on-one game between Larry Bird and Mickey Hart. And Larry Bird apparently played so hard against him that Mickey Hart almost started to cry. (laughs) (laughs) And at one point dribbled through Mickey Hart's legs while Mickey Hart just stood there. I mean, Mickey, how high do you have to be to think you have a chance against Larry Legend? You're mm-hmm. on the head. How many tabs of that good, good acid are you taking to be like, I think I can take him, man. I think I can. This guy doesn't really have it. He's yeah. only 6'10 and won three three-point contests in a row. I think I can get this guy. No I problem. I think Mickey Hart weighs about 140 pounds. Uh yeah, but the audacity of Mickey Hart to even think that he could for a second. But it is pretty cool to think about like the the dead in basketball. I know he's a huge Warriors fan, but like, the Lithuania national team, and I hope they get to there. Hopefully, that'll be part four. When, mm-hmm. uh, but just like how they completely saved the Lithuania national team going to the Olympics during mm-hmm. the Dream Team, and was the second best team. Uh, against the dream team and those yeah. jerseys. Oh, I can't. Well, that's because they Come had on. the goat Don Nelson coaching them. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they had, they who had absolutely with smoked weed with Bill, who absolutely <laughs> smokes weed with Bill Walton in my novels. Uh, that's why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up. Uh, that's it. We're on the map. Careful readers now. <laughs> The other well thing, the, the one last thing I want, I brought up Kareem, but didn't get to it. But have you considered? Because Kareem is the ultimate mystery writer now. He only yes, he write, cares about writing Sherlock Holmes' brother stories and Veronica yeah. Mars. Mm-hmm. Have you considered for a third book a Walton-Kareem team-up? You know what? Um, that's another guy who absolutely would hate to be in a novel that I wrote. wrote. <laughs> so you know what? I am now because that would be that's just just to piss those guys off. Yeah, having them and and I think that he he kind of does. I think he would be a great guy to serve as um as a bit of the uh, the Mylar. What, what's what's Sherlock's brother again? Not Myron. Mylar. My, 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 Mike Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minecraft. Minecraft. Yeah, Minecraft. Yeah, Minecraft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> perfect minecraft home yeah, yeah. to to uh to bill uh and so yeah thank you thank you for that suggestion yeah. hey no problem the third one's i in the really would and... like you to get in a literary feud with kareem abdul jabbar <laughs> that would be completely incredible uh that would be a dream let's start it right here while i'm in his hometown New York City, let's go. Kareem, I'm calling you out. One-on-one. Mickey Hart says I can take you, and I believe him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's that's all we need you for, James. Why don't you tell our listeners once again where they can buy the Bill Walton Mysteries? Oh, thank you, thank you, boys. It's uh, it's available now for purchase on a little mom and pop bookstore website known as Amazon.com. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, it's also available on. What was Audible. that hard to get on? Um, are you- <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> there were a lot of hoops. There were a lot of hoops. I had to pull a lot of strings. Fortunately, I know some people in the Sibian Liberation Army, and they were able to get me. Fatty Hurst, get me in there. Uh, um, but uh, you can also, uh, it's on Audible. In fact, the first one is available on YouTube 
um, read by yours truly. If you want to get a little taste, a little taste of the Bill Walton mystery. Love it. Uh, book one, <laughs> Friend of the Devil. And it, it, which right appeared, now. which appeared on Ted Lasso season three as well. That's true. That was a really cool thing. I had no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> Coach Beard reading the Bill Walton mysteries on the desk, and I, I didn't know. I didn't know that uh, Brendan uh, Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard, is something of a of, a, of an Oprah in the literary circle. There's there's like a, a huge following of of podcasts and book groups who follow what Coach Beard reads. So we've had a big bump in sales since the Coach Beard read, and that's been very cool. That is the weirdest information I've ever learned in my entire life. (laughs) Well, and uh, a spoiler for my dad, uh, who may or may not listen to this podcast, but uh, get excited for your Father's Day gift. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. It's the perfect Father's Day gift for dads and grads alike. Pick it up. The Bill Walton Mysteries. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate you talking to me and uh, love your work. And, uh, hey, go basketball. Oh, go oh I, have, I, I, have, I have one final question. I'm sorry you just wrapped up well. But yeah. <laughs> what, what should the Portland Trailblazers do with the number three pick? Ah, yeah. Well, there's a couple of people. There's a couple of there's two strategies, right? Either you, you trade the pick um, to satisfy Dame in the win now Dame window, mm-hmm. or you know you keep the pick, you go with Scooter, and you you know you build with him for the next nine years. Um, or the third the third option, I guess, is like you get Scooter, and then you try to like mm-hmm. pr- convince Dame that he's really good. <laughs> Maybe you, then you guys will be best friends, and yeah. it'll all work out. Um, I mean, I'm hearing a couple rumors today about the new Orleans Mm -hmm. franchise looking maybe to offload perhaps Brandon Ingram. I would do, I would do BI and, um, uh, what then the other, the other left-handed kid there, uh, CJ McCollum. (laughs) Yeah. I would, let's get that young kid, CJ McCollum. I want to see if he could work with Dame. I think that backcourt hasn't been tried enough. Maybe one more go round. No, Herb Jones is what I was thinking of. Herb Jones, I would definitely do. I would do Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones for the three and Simons for sure. I think that would be great. But the real problem in Portland is that we got a, we got an ownership group that doesn't like basketball mm-hmm. and refuses to sell to Phil Knight, who desperately wants to buy the Blazers, mm-hmm. and he would make everything okay. If, if mm-hmm. Phil Knight bought the Blazers, I am confident that we would be a championship contender to years to come. But right now we have he Paul certainly Allen's cares sister. much less about stealing bones. Um, I don't know if you know that story about Jody Allen. Wait, um, I know that she was sexually harassing her bodyguard. She did do that. Referring? She was doing that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But no, in that lawsuit, it came out. Uh, go ahead. Rare animal bones. Yes. She was stealing rare oh animal bones God. from Antarctica, I believe. Yeah, there were penguin oh skeletons. And it, it's an insane story. But yes, she's the worst. She's literally the worst. It's it's under the radar because she doesn't make any public appearances or anything like that, but she probably is one of the worst owners in sports. Yeah. I mean, it's like, she's got to go. And and because of that, like, you know, our GM situation's in flux, everything's in flux, like dames, and like, it, the whole thing is just like, uh, so because of that, I have no confidence in the ownership group or our GM to make the right calls or make the right picks. So my gut feeling is like, stick with Dame. He's been loyal to us. Let's be loyal to him. Let's just try to win you know, for the next couple of years, win now mode, 
And then, uh, you know, once once Jody gets sick of her toys and does the uh, Toy Story meme of being like, I don't want to play with you anymore and throws the Blazers away. Let's get Phil in there and let's ride it out for the next hundred years. Yeah. The Blazers dynasty, my team, <laughs> the pinwheel, five teams playing together, swirling together like the universe, the Milky Way, Lionel Hollins, Dave Twardzik, I love you. Let's go. <laughs> John Mayer, please. He's channeling Jerry. You got to see him. I love you, John. All oh, right. Sure. Thanks, yeah, James. Get the Bill guy. Walton mysteries now. Jim Hornacek, where are you? <laughs> Greatest shooting guard ever. All right. Thank you, James. Thank you, Christine. Uh, buy the Bill Walton mysteries. Sign that petition uh, so Josh Harris doesn't get to uh, kick out a bunch of old people from Chinatown. Uh, and that's our episode. Sean, we'll yeah. be back next week mm-hmm. with our annual Bust Names episode before the draft. Very exciting. Um, should be exciting. I'm going to be in uh, New Orleans this next week. And this is weird. Um, I'm supposed to look for a condo for Scoot Henderson. Huh, I don't weird. really understand what that is about but that's uh, weird you know, I'm, I'm going to new orleans and i'm supposed to uh evict mariah mills oh oh yeah yeah i'm a uh, cop now um oh, right. oh, weird weird uh yeah anyway and as per new orleans tradition i am going to leave a bunch of empty soda cans in my bathroom <laughs> <Yeah>. so uh <laughs> It should uh, be fun. I'm hoping to meet Jose Alvarado and not get pickpocketed by him. And uh, if I say Gail Benson, I'm going to point to her and say, hey, not cool. <laughs> I mean, um, is that is that the coolest thing I can say to her? I think so. Sean, is there a song you wanted to uh, play uh, to have us here to end the season? Yeah, did we we played the Jokic song? Yeah, we recently, played that last right? week. Yeah, you know what we should play? Uh, the the Jamal Murray song. This is I feel like this was a coronation of Nikola Jokic, but this win, I feel like the Jokic title felt more inevitable, whereas the Jamal Murray story is really inspiring. Not that not that the rest of the Nuggets weren't great. It's like a, it's nice for Aaron Gordon too, but Jamal Murray like really came back, hardworking dude, even played a lot of good defense. And so we have a song about his uh hometown called Waterloo Kitchener. And it's a it's a kink song. Uh and then as for me, you can always follow me on Twitter at Frankie Muniz. We're on 6423. I tweeted, I really haven't slept in a week. Um, good season, Sean. Love you very much. Trust the process. Trust the process. And, uh, shut it down. Let's all get really into learning who the new children are coming into the league. (laughs) Red River Valley, St. Lawrence Lowlands, on the Haldeman track. Near Wilmot Township, Mennonite Settlements, and Grand Trunk Railway Tracks. And Jamal, worries from there. And when he goes back to Waterloo Kitchener, he is in paradise. Every day I'm 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.